Hello everybody, welcome back or welcome if it's your first time. Thank you very much for joining me. I just took a little moment to really kind of shift my mood. I was just a little bit like just a bit flat and a bit emotional today, I guess. And I was like, right, um, you know, I want to record a podcast. So let's take a little moment of checking in with my breath and doing a little bit of gratitude. And a lot was really just there on the surface to tap into, which was really nice. And then I focused on the gratitude for the podcast, you know, literally having a podcast. Honestly, for a long time, I really wanted one and was too scared. I thought you had to wait until there was a certain amount of people who you knew would listen or, you know, it had to be, there were rules to it. And then I had a coach who, um, this is when I was looking at going to business and she was like, nah, just do yourself podcast. Get on there, lass. She didn't say that. She's Canadian. Oh, no, I'm not going to attempt it. No, no, no. <laughs> not attempting a Canadian accent. So, so yeah, obviously I have a podcast now. And I'm just really grateful for everyone who listens. And to just have the opportunity to do this. To just, I mean, I'm literally here. Uh, cross-legged on my old bedroom floor. My child, childhood bedroom floor, I guess. And I'm dressing gown, I've got me a peppermint tea, and um, yeah, I'm just talking to you all. So yeah, it's just really nice to be here, and I wanted to share that. So thank you, everybody. Today, I want to talk about the reason that I have ditched, let go of, stopped engaging with a number of things in my life. And I will say, as a trigger warning um, to this, that I'm going to talk about alcohol and going to talk about, well, we'll briefly mention eating disorders. So I just wanted to put that out there in case, uh, just as a little warning for anybody there to just be aware as I go along, if you used to listen. But um, yeah, I wanted to talk about, well, you know, I've talked a lot before about why I've ditched diets. So I was thinking about like, I wanted to record an episode about why I've decided to stop drinking alcohol. Um, and then I thought, well, I also want to talk about why I stopped wearing makeup. I was like, well, I, don't, I also want to start talking about why I've stopped shaving, you know, like removing body hair. And I thought, well, do you know what? Just chuck diets into the mix again. <laughs> but kind of what I want to do is I want to do it in this type of format. I've got my notes. I've been doing a little bit of reflecting, y'all. Um, and so the format really is I'll go through each one. There's obviously an overlap, as you can imagine, or, or rather, I guess, like a progression, um, a development into each one through the journey of self-acceptance and body acceptance, really. But I wanted to focus on each one um, in with these kind of questions, which is why I engage with them in the first place. So I engage with dieting or shaving or whatnot, what they took from me. So essentially, I guess why I stopped engaging with them, what I've gained from ditching them. And also I want to talk about the difficulties in ditching them because, you know, it isn't always that simple, is it? To just be like, oh, I've ditched that. It's gone completely there. There can be hangups. There can be just difficulties with it. And I'll go through each one. So yeah, beginning with ditching diets. So if this is the first time you're listening, then maybe you don't know, but I am um, somebody who has totally dropped out of diet culture school. I don't agree with diets. Um, I'm talking about the, I'm not talking about diet in terms of um, like the def definition of what we eat, obviously, please eat. 
but I'm talking about diets as as we probably know them as some form of restriction um, to lose weight, which is, mm, that's the kind of diet I'm talking about. And so this, when did I ditch diets? I ditched diets about three and a half years ago now. And it was after listening to a podcast episode. I think it was on the Deliciously Ella podcast. I think it's called, what is her podcast now? Wellness with Ella or something like that. But this was back in the day and it was a podcast with Laura Thomas, who is a dietitian, anti-diet dietitian, intuitive eating um, dietitian, which by the way, if you want to hear any more about that, please listen back. There's quite a few episodes on it, but also not that long ago, a couple of months ago, I had the lovely Aoife, who is also, um, well, I can't think what the best term would be really, but yeah, an anti-diet dietitian as well. So do tune into that episode. That was a really great episode. And she explains things so well, um, especially, you know, I've just said intuitive eating and you might all be like, what the hell are you on about? So I don't want this episode to really be talking too much in detail about each part of all this, but essentially I listened to that podcast episode and at that point I'd been kind of stuck in a binge restrict cycle and being obsessed with my weight, with exercise, um, with it just taking over my life for about seven or eight years, I would say. And so this came along at a really good time and I decided to to read Laura Thomas's book, Just Eat It. And I then started to work through the different principles of intuitive eating, um, which is really all about coming back to the natural way of eating, our natural ability to uh, listen to our body, essentially, and just all the reasons as to why diets are just shit and fuck you over, essentially. And so physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm going to say that as well. But so yeah, I was engaging with diets like we all do because, you know, I mean, diet culture has taught us to say that we should be dieting, that we should have um, a particular type of body, that there is a a body to aim for. um, That also that, you know, the worst thing about it, I find really, is the fact that it teaches us or it uh, not teaches us, but try to warps our perception of our own connection to our bodies. And it seems to say that someone else or something else out there is the way that you can control your diet because you yourself, you have no willpower, you know, honestly, you'll just keep eating and then you become fat and that's the worst thing ever. You know, that's what it says, but then do this diet or use this app or, you know, count calories in this way, restrict food in some way, um, making foods be good and bad. And, and basically, essentially, you end up always the victim and the one who, who goes wrong, you know, like, you know, it from the conversations, maybe you say about yourself, if um, you're someone who's engaged with diets before, uh, just, you know, generally with other people talking about like, oh, I've been so bad with food this week, or, oh my God, I really need to get to the gym. Oh, I've got no willpower. I can't stop eating chocolate. And it's so sad. It really is. And what I mean sad, I mean like, you know, it's, I just think it's heartbreaking. And I was just so, so grateful that I found that podcast after being stuck and really unhappy in this cycle for a long time and not knowing how to get out of it and trying lots of other restrictive diet kind of ways of breaking the cycle. And that don't work. So yeah, do check that out. Listen back to podcast episodes on that. But essentially, diet culture is shit. Screw diets. You are totally capable of just 
having a healthy relationship with food. You really are. And I honestly had such an unhealthy relationship with food. People thought I had a healthy relationship with food because I was exercising a lot. I was eating what were, you know, in inverted commas, clean foods a lot of the time. You know, meanwhile, having massive binges a couple of times a week, uh, just not being able to control them, being obsessed with, with what I ate, it took over my life. This is all the stuff it took from me. It meant that I, well, diet culture in general really took me away from myself. It took me from the present moment because I was always thinking about whatever I was doing that moment was going to have an effect on my body shape. You know, I wouldn't even really be, it wouldn't be easy to be in a conversation with somebody or, and particularly not if it was like, hey, do you want to go for lunch or do you want to go for, go, you know, grab a tea or whatever or go for food out. All them type of things were an absolute minefield because I was too afraid to go along to them thinking like, how am I going to manage my calories on that night? I know I'm going to binge because I've been really, really good. And then I'm going to go there and I'm going to eat bad food. And then I'm going to want to eat all the bad food because I've been restricting so much that, you know, my whole body and my mind is craving it. Not that I really knew that at the time. I just thought it was me not being able to control myself. And then I have to work out my whole gym schedule. I was exercising a lot at the time. Um, a lot of CrossFit, a lot of well, yeah, loads of different things, but CrossFit was the main thing, really. Um, and uh, yeah, and then lately it went into more kind of uh, running, fell running. Prior to it all kind of starting, it was in the gym, was some personal training, were, were classes, stuff like that. High intensity in particular. But yeah, I, you know, people thought that I was healthy because of the way I looked, but I was so not healthy. I was scared of being in a relationship because I just didn't feel like my body was ever going to be good enough and that's the thing it takes your self-worth from you it makes you think that your worth is based on a number a number on a scale scales um it makes you think that you are less than if you don't have that ideal body or aren't working towards it it makes you feel that you're less than when you eat something which is deemed as a bad food you know, it just has such an awful impact on your life. And it might even feel just kind of tiny, you know, because it just feels like that's how it should feel. Because that's, you know, I know that as well, that kind of feeling of like, oh, well, that's, that must just be what it's like, you know, that's dieting and it's just our life. But nah, it doesn't have to feel that way. And so I would recommend, again, listen to podcasts, uh, anything about intuitive eating, anything about ditching diets. It just... I hate it and it's changed my life so, so much and this is what I've gained from it, right? So it's the flip of everything and that's essentially it for each of these things. Just flip it over and you've got the answer. I can be more present because I'm not worried about how what I'm doing in the moment is going to have an impact on my food or the fact that I'm like due to eat in 30 minutes time in order to maintain my strength and muscle mass that I was trying to do at one point. You know, I'm able to be there with friends and family. I'm able to not freak out if something spontaneous comes along. So I've gained spontaneity because that was something that was really scary. You know, someone to all of a sudden pop in and go, oh, you know, I've brought these cakes or, oh, you know, wow, right, should we pop into this cafe or, well, anything actually anything you know even just somebody popping around my auntie would pop around she's someone who pops around uh, unawares and um it's really nice that she just pops in the house when I was living with my mum living with my mum again but um yeah we joked about it the other day I think I talked about it on a podcast a few weeks ago but we joked about how I'd freak out when she'd come around and that'd be because she'd be having an impact on my schedule in some way shape or form that's how I saw it it wasn't her it was on me being stuck in diet culture so I've got my life back 
and I have a much more healthy relationship with my body. And in fact, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I was somebody who thought about my body all the time, worrying about it all the time. And now I don't think about it that much. That's kind of where I wanted to go, and what I aim for, which is this kind of body neutrality, this body acceptance um, and trusting how it ebbs and flows through emotional periods in my life, through, well, just changes in general. Sometimes you have like, uh, moments in your life, maybe like, I don't know, over winter, you don't want to move as much. Um, so your body shape might be different to say how it is in the height of summer. It's just, you know, it ebbs and flows or with your menstrual cycle or whatever is going on emotionally. Like I said, what's emotionally going on? How is that having an effect on maybe what you're eating or what you're craving or how you're moving or whatever? And I just, I just, I love my body. Actually, I'm going to say that I do. I think body, you know, loving our bodies and that body gratitude is amazing. So it's brought me so much and it's meant that I can actually just feel worthy regardless of my weight. Or that even, I guess you can even say that I see my body as worthy as well as me being worthy kind of all the same because, you know, they're both as equally as important because they're me, you know. So it's been amazing. Just really, really massive. I've gained so much headspace as well because when you're stuck in diet thinking, you're constantly, well, you're constantly thinking about diets, aren't you? So I've actually got space in my mind to think about other things and develop other areas of my life. I'm an overthinker though, so I was always something that wants to be obsessed about. Now, the difficulties with um, ditching diets that I found probably the hardest, yeah, the hardest, I've written three down. One of the hardest ones, and I find this at the moment in office conversation or just, uh, you know, work chat, that people will talk uh, in a way that's um, influenced by diet culture again like I was saying earlier about like oh you know you might say I've been really bad this week or oh my god I've got to lose however many pounds because I'm going on holiday Um, and that's hard to navigate because because diet culture makes me angry but to try and explain to people I'm not the most articulate with it as you can tell I'm like 15 minutes into talking about diet culture but yeah it just um, that can be difficult to navigate them conversations the probably the the biggest one and and this isn't what it is but this is actually a term um and so it's kind of a version of this but it's it's basically like a nostalgia for the body that I did have when it was the kind of in in inverted commas ideal body or my best body type as you know diet culture would have it and the term I was going to say was anorexia nostalgia because that is uh, that is a term um and it's really that like for me, when I actually just think about my nostalgia for the way I used to look, um, yeah, that can come up because my body is not, I guess, as it doesn't fit the stereotype or the the ideal as much. I'm not as toned as I used to be and so on and so forth. So that can kick in. It's not like these thoughts ever just, just fully go, although they, they go so much or, or rather... I know that they're coming from the place of the diet culture part of me talking and not my true self now, which is what's come through. And that's been a massive thing, that coming through of like who I actually am and what's really important in life and my own worth. And yeah, just gaining a sense of identity outside of diets. So yeah, that's uh, diets. And so in ditching diets, actually... This was just before kind of COVID, maybe like six months before COVID that it was really kind of starting to kick in for me. 
And this, you know, when you go on this journey of body acceptance, it tends to, for me, explode into different things. And the next thing was ditching makeup. Now, I would was somebody who would not leave the house without makeup on. I never wore a lot of makeup, but I did not feel comfortable showing my face without it on, including, you know, if I was going to gym early in the morning or going for a run or anything like that. And yeah, I was always wearing makeup. Minimal, but it was there. And I gave it up in lockdown because, you know, as yeah, many of us were, were just in the house, aren't we? And so, and when I was out and about, I'd wear a mask. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to bother putting makeup on then. I'm just going to, you know, take that, take that risk. And, you know, sometimes I would see somebody and I would know and even be wearing a mask and I'd be like, oh my God, they'll know I'm not wearing makeup. Having a sip, guys. Sometimes I feel like I have to exaggerate the sip so that you know that that's what I'm doing. Should I do that? No, I'll try more subtly this time. My sister hates how I slept. Always really conscious of it. Um, so yeah, I decided to just kind of see how it would go when I went back to work, when we were wearing masks. Still felt like the moment that I walked in without makeup on, I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to be thinking, what's wrong with her? She looks really rough. You know, <laughs> that's what came into mind. But I just did it more and more and I got more used to it. And I thought, you know, this is great. This is really great not wearing makeup. And the reason I wore makeup, like we all wear makeup, is because, you know, I said that we feel better with makeup on. I'm going to say we feel better with makeup on. That's what we say. Uh, why should we feel better with wearing essentially a mask or something that it's like this whole idea of like getting rid of flaws, reducing flaws and just exaggerating features or accentuating features on our face to make ourselves look better. And there is, um, I did a post on Instagram, I was actually just realising now as I'm recording this, I was going to look up some of the the phrases, actually, I can't remember that, like makeup slogans, you can probably think of some now, but like, they're pretty awful, really, there were some that were really, really horrible, um, and I can't really think of any right now, but then you can even say, it's like, maybe she's born with it, maybe it's Maybelline, I don't know, because she can't be born with that, because it will be the makeup that makes her look that way, you know, that's a real simple one, but that's one we all know, isn't it, like, Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline <laughs> in a much better voice. But yeah, it's, I got angry, I started to get angry with it, you know, like why, why should we be wearing makeup? And make up, even that phrase, make up, to do up, to, to make better. I just think it's really, really quite horrible. And, you know, but I engage in it because that's what everyone does. And that's what you're kind of, hmm, I guess the culture brings and you know it's another kind of there's a lot of um kind of history to do with the wearing of makeup I don't know that much about it but you know essentially most women wear makeup don't they let's be honest most people I know do and so it's something that you do to also feel like you're fitting in with the norm and you don't want to you want to look your best you want to look your best and it to also for me I remember being younger and, and like you know obviously the type of makeup that you wear um wearing more on a night out whatever and be like oh I just want to look my best for for guys and then that's just really sad that, that you're trying to look your best for somebody else rather than just be yourself so so yeah gave it up in lockdown and kept going with it and 
obviously makeup quite simply gains you money because you're not spending it on makeup. It gains you time because you're not spending it putting the makeup on. And again, it gives you that like that feeling of acceptance of yourself and your body and an understanding of who, you know, an accepting of who you are really without makeup on to feel comfortable in your own skin. And that is amazing. It really is to feel comfortable in your own skin and to realize that your worth is again, not related to that little tub of foundation or, you know, the makeup or whatever. And for me, this really stems into any type of beauty treatment. And there we go, beauty, there's a, there's, that's just sums it all up, doesn't it? That we call these treatments beauty treatments. I find that really sad as well. So I'm not for someone who wants fake lashes or, you know, whatever. But I have been. I remember having like HD brows and stuff like that, you know, and feeling good for it. So that's the difficult part of it. It does make you feel good when you don't feel good without it. But I just felt like that was something I needed to challenge. And I should have really said this at the top, actually, but I'm not kind of um, trying to say that I'm I'm right here. I'm just trying to share why I've ditched things and the benefits that I found from it because they have been really, really big. And so the difficulties in not wearing makeup, again, it's that same, it's that layover. It's still the kind of what you were used to. And it's that feeling of sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh gosh, I could touch up those, those dark circles under the eyes or hide all them spots. Always had quite oily, spotty skin. Um, oh, that's the notebook gone. Can I do this without notes? Ah, panic time. No, I can't do this without notes. Tend to not really use notes that much anymore, to be fair. Anywho, yeah, it's um, it's just really the peer pressure as well. That kind of like, and it's peer pressure that I put on myself, self-peer pressure, I guess. When I see everyone else wearing makeup and thinking that I need to fit in with everyone else and I need to look as good as everybody else. And then I'm not making the effort is the other thing as well. I think people, that kind of feeling of like, oh, you're not looking after yourself if you don't do your hair for going out or, you know, like going out the door or you don't put on better clothes or whatever, you know, kind of all falls into the same type of thing. But I remember worrying and I still kind of worry now when I see people that I haven't seen really for a few years or haven't seen since I stopped wearing makeup and and I do wonder they're going to look at me and be like oh my god yeah she does she does look really rough these days she's she's not aged well because I'm not wearing the makeup so that's makeup and again as you know my brain thinks and that flowed into ditching shaving and ditching um the removal of body hair and Mainly again, I was just, it was over lockdown and being like, well, I don't need to shave. No one's going to see me close up. And then the more I explored that, I started to think like, okay, so again, it's one of those things we engage in shaving because that is something that we're taught is particularly if you're, you know, if you're, if you identify as a woman like me, um, you're taught that shaving is what you do. Like from a young age, we all shave, don't we? You do definitely under your arms, definitely your legs. Just we, we can't have body hair, you know, have loads of luscious hair on your head, but don't have it anywhere else on your body. And then, of course, you've got loads of different ways of actually styling hair in different parts of your body, loads of different ways of removing hair. And yeah, that's, you know, again, it's that kind of that fitting in. And but like whoever said that women shouldn't have hair, 
on their bodies because we have hair on our bodies so so why is it why is there pressure to remove it and I'm not saying that men don't have pressure either because there is that kind of like oh yeah you know make sure you have some body hair guys but not too much not too much and you know it's pressure it's pressure on both um both sexes so it's just yeah it's just one of those real difficult things to unpack and and you could go into like got hours of a podcast on it I guess but essentially I just started to challenge that and think now nah, this isn't right this is not right so I just decided to stop removing body hair altogether um and since I've done that because I used to get quite itchy legs from shaving all the time and I've like now don't have that and my skin is a lot healthier it's not so dry so that's massive but yeah essentially less itchy I would like scratch myself till I was bleeding and I know I didn't exfoliate enough but you know add that into it as well time the time of having to do it and the money of just buying a razor and stuff I guess maybe a little bit more minimal but maybe if you um go and ever get waxed or laser or whatever this is money again on removing something that is a natural part of you and I just I pick fault with that so in ditching shaving and ditching because mainly shaving for me but ditching the removal of body hair it's it's brought me also I guess like it's empowering I feel like I'm making like taking a stand as such I kind of like hope that maybe someone will see it and be like yeah go you and you're right I should stop stop shaving as well that's kind of like that feeling it just feels right for me to do and again it's just another way of body accepting myself and body accepting myself body acceptance self-acceptance um and just reducing that kind of body image consciousness that doesn't really make sense does it but you know what I mean like to not think so much about the way I look because the way I look is is always going to be me and that's perfect in itself just like everyone's perfect in themselves they don't need to change themselves you don't need to change yourself to to be any more you you know or any better or any more worthy that's how I feel and so the difficult parts about shaving and this is the most difficult one for me actually still having body hair is showing it in public I do find that hard particularly um like I find it hard when like at work for example and I and um like my trousers come up and you can see obviously my ankles and you can see where I can't I'm not shaving and I'm still not really confident in wearing like a kind of um a sleeveless top in summer and so that's all a bit difficult I'm not quite there yet but I'm not shaving I'm just trying to find clothes around it so this is like I said the most difficult one but I'm sticking with it because you know sometimes these challenging things because they're challenging um something that we've been taught all our lives that I just don't think is right and I don't agree with so you've just got to go with that haven't you you know um but there is that fear of judgment real fear of judgment it's a difficult part and knowing that when I explain to people about it a lot of the time people are like "Ooh, you've got body hair and then having the conversation about that, and most of the time people are like, oh, you're right, actually, who's to say? And look at all the different cultures around the world in which women are allowed to have body hair or it's fine for women to have body hair. So, but yeah, it's difficult when people first say, ooh, because definitely had that a lot. But interestingly, one of the most um, liked posts that I ever had on Instagram was when I took a picture and showed my body hair. And quite a few people commented and said that they didn't even notice it at first 
And again, it's just that idea we get so in our heads about the way we look often, don't we? But but yeah, that's another one to think about. And so the one that's probably the most different to all those body-based ones is now my decision to give up alcohol. Now, I've got to caveat this really and say that I've never had a drinking problem and I don't drink much at all prior to this. Well, do I drink? Actually, interesting. If I unpick this a little bit, I have gone through a big phase in my life in which I wasn't drinking, but this was because of the fear of the calories of it. So this goes back to when I was binge, like kind of in a binge restrict cycle and that uh, disordered eating pattern. And I knew that that would be like having a binge that night, for example, and say it was out with people, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm not going to drink because that's going to be more calories. And so I didn't drink and I didn't drink for like the whole six months that I traveled around Southeast Asia, but it was from a place of fear because I was just worried about putting on weight, putting away and losing control, you know, which is really, really sad, to be honest. But so I guess that wasn't a healthy relationship with alcohol because it was an unhealthy relationship with food and drink in general. So in general, though, when I look back over the past couple of years, I then alongside my journey of the the food, um, intuitive eating and ditching diets, I allowed myself to bring alcohol back in, in like a way of just going, you know what, maybe a fancy gin and tonic and just having one at home or one out or two out or whatever. Um, and so I was doing that. So it got to a place where it felt quite healthy, really. It felt, it felt pretty good. And then I really started listening to, um, Oh, actually, why do we engage in it? Blah, blah, blah. That's a proper culture, that isn't it? It's, 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 you're kind of the abnormal to go on a night out without drinking, aren't you? Designated driver, ooh, boring one. You know, there's all that around it. This idea that you're just not fun if you don't drink, whatever. But just that drinking's part of, has accepted as part of particularly growing up here in the UK. And I've had like so many fun nights drinking, so many. So I don't regret any of it. But, but essentially, it's a drug, isn't it? Like, and I wouldn't want to take really any of a drug, I guess. And it's just accepted, though. That's the thing. But I listened to a pod, I listened to Kagi Dunlop's podcast, which is Saturn Returns, and she talks a lot about um, being sober, curious, and uh, stopping drinking. I think she did drink a bit more, but. I really resonated what she was saying just about trying to work out who she was essentially without having a drink in social situations like who who was she really and I was like fuck who am I if I go out not drinking like who am I actually and why do I feel like the drink has to be what I do to be me on a night out for example to to be more fun and to be more confident stuff because it does bring all that doesn't it it does you know um make you feel more confident you put on your well I put on my gin jacket you know put on whatever jacket you want to put on of alcohol but but yeah I it's like you have a few drinks to feel more relaxed um and the more I started thinking about that the more I thought do you know what I want to be able to know who I am socializing in a group on an evening going for a dance because that's mainly what I love doing on a night out anyways I don't need alcohol to drink so alcohol to drink to dance my god I'm tired but uh yeah so what am I like without it? So that's kind of like why I decided to to ditch it. And also, I mean, 
Fuck hangovers. I'm so done with hangovers. I just cannot be bothered with them anymore. They're just sometimes so not worth the night, are they? And the money, you know? So when you decide to not drink, you're kind of getting an idea. It's a journey of self-discovery. It's saving money. It's saving the hangover the next day. It means that you can do more of what you actually want to do. Also, I felt I always feel really shit after drinking, like I go into quite um, an anxious low place. And so the more I lent into realizing that, just the more I thought, I don't really want that. So yeah, what I've gained really in ditching it is I've actually realized that I don't need to have the drink to feel more confident when I go out. And don't get me wrong, I've not really gone out that much. But like actually just in situations where I would drink and I just wait for the drink to kick in to maybe um, talk to more people or, you know, speak out a bit more in, in a group of people or whatever it is. Like it's as though you wait for the first few drinks to kick in and I don't have that now. So it's more exploring who I am without that and realizing that actually I'm quite surprised at who I am and in a really nice way. But interestingly, the first night in January, so sort of stopped, gave gave up alcohol um, probably about midway through December. And I went for a night, um, well, for a meal with the work where I was working at the time in January, in the Christmas meal I have in January. And I was like, oh my God, it's the first time I've decided that I'm choosing not to drink, even though I've, did I walk in? No, I did drive there actually. It was near to where we lived. But um, yeah, I was like, right, oh gosh, I'm so, oh, I thought about it all day. Well, probably for the weeks before it, like, I'm not going to drink. And how is this going to be perceived? Because that's one of the difficult parts of it is what do people think of you not drinking? Like, do they think you're boring? Do they think you're not going to be any fun? Think you just need to loosen up a little, you know, all them type of things. And I go to this work do, right? And I knew some people that didn't drink, but literally no one drank it. And oh my God, what a relief. I'm just being like, I found my people. And just knowing that you can still have fun and have a good time without alcohol has been such a relief. Oh, so good. And like I said, you save a lot of money. You save your hangover. Um, you save what you put into your body. Not that I'm... That kind of like plays with my whole thoughts on food and drink anyway. So I'm not really um, saying it for that reason. But it's more just really a journey of discovering who I am. And that's been really, really massive. Like I mentioned there, the difficulties are the way people perceive it and what they think of you for not drinking and going into a new job and knowing that everyone there likes a drink not everyone obviously but quite a few people there like a drink and just worrying that I'm gonna be seen as a bit boring you know stiff upper lift or whatever stiff upper, stiff upper lift I'm really not I've not got that phrase quite right have I but you know it's just that idea that people are gonna find you boring um and that's the hardest bit, the pressure again. But I do think there is a bit more of a peer pressure with it rather than just a self, you know, created peer pressure. I think that is there and that can be really hard, I think. And I haven't been in a situation where people have got really quite drunk or anything and I've not been yet. So, you know, we'll see how that goes whenever that happens. I don't know when that's going to be, but, but yeah, so I guess ultimately I'm not saying I wouldn't have a drink ever again but I'm just trying to see who I am without it and so I'm just I'm really conscious of being sure that I don't really say a definite no to anything although definitely for diets <laughs> but um a definite no to the other things because it's very easy to say it at the time but sometimes 
the reason that we did it for 10, 20, 30 years comes back in because that's still a part of you, isn't it? So that can come back in. Um, and maybe I'll change my mind on some things. And maybe I'll get to a place where I feel okay with just having like one drink every now and again or something like that. But just trying to work out why I'm doing it. Why do I want to have that alcohol? That's probably the, the biggest question around alcohol for me. Why do I want it? So, so yeah, but I guess the hardest part is to just worry that you're not fitting in. Um, and I'm also just aware that I don't want to lean into, like I talked about that control of going around Southeast Asia and decided not to have a drink because it was all to do with control in some way, shape or form. And I know that I'm, I'm somebody who is more prone to falling into those type of habits and that is not something I want to do. So yeah, trying to be aware of. So essentially why I've ditched all these things is because they just haven't, as I've gone along through my life over the past three years, um, they've not felt in alignment with me. They've not felt like they are supporting um, the highest good for me, really. They're not supporting me in my journey of body acceptance. They're not supporting me in my journey of self-acceptance or self-discovery. Um, and as I've, de I've deepened that self-awareness, then that's when these things haven't felt right. And so really it's a journey of feeling again, of feeling what's right. And so I guess that's how I want to sum this up and just say that like, this isn't, again, not me saying that you should do this or not do this. This is just how I feel about it. And that ultimately you have to come to what you feel about whether you ditch something or keep something in your life. And it's way broader than what I'm talking about in this podcast, but to just learn to listen to yourself and feel your own way through and work out what feels authentic to you and then learn how to lean into that because that can be difficult to trust your authenticity especially if it goes against the grain so yeah I would love to hear your views on this everybody on any part of it probably particularly the um, alcohol part but reach out by anything obviously I just would love to hear what you think so yeah and if you've enjoyed it again do let me know or you can share or rate on Spotify or review on Apple. All these things are really, really great at sharing the podcast. And do come and join us over on the free. Or if you want, you can come to the um, the private membership on Substack, which is only £6 or $7 a month for extra podcast episodes. Uh, there's some series on there. There's already a bit of an archive. So yeah, do check that out if you want to hear more of my voice. <laughs> Until next week, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to know what you think of the episode and you can reach out to me in the show notes below. The options are there. And if you feel called to rate or review or share this episode, I would be incredibly grateful. Thank you very much, everyone.